You're listening to In My Father's House with our pastor and teacher, Mike Fenizio, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in New York City, New York. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh, my heart will not be troubled. I remember what you said. People who say they're not interested in doctrine, that they're not interested in being scriptural, is absolutely foolishness. People who just want to base their entire Christian experience on feelings and emotions, right? That's, that's very foolish. It's very dangerous. So doctrine, gang, is the way that we test the spirits. Isn't that the title of this message? When it comes to objective versus subjective and absolutes, it's imperative that we have a foundation to begin with. If you're a believer, you've probably already guessed that our foundation is none other than the Word of God. As Pastor Mike will teach you in his message today, having a solid understanding of doctrine is absolutely crucial as believers and followers of Christ. In his study, you'll learn the importance of taking in God's Word regularly so as to equip yourself with the knowledge you need. Now here's Pastor Mike in the book of 1 John chapter 4 as he continues his message, Test the Spirits. Someone will come to me, and it's usually a new believer. It's a new Christian who hasn't really, you know, been taught in the Word of God, really doesn't have a foundation in the understanding of the Word of God, the teaching of the Word of God, hasn't sat under a ministry for an extended period of time where he can develop this kind of discernment. So that new Christian, uh, someone who is in season, will come to me, usually after a service, and he's all excited, she's all excited. And this happens pretty regularly, by the way. Not, well, not here so much, but occasionally it does happen. You know, they'll say, Pastor Mike, you know what? What do you think about this? I just heard this person on the radio, or, you know, I just read this book. I picked it up at my local Christian bookstore, and, you know, it's promoting some new teaching or some new doctrine. And, I, and they just go through it, and, you know, and I'll listen to them. And, uh, you know, I'll spend some time with them. Hope, and hopefully, you know, as they're sharing it with me, everything's going through my mind. I'm saying, oh, man, okay, well, at the end of this, I'm going to have to correct and, and uh, you know, bring them back to reality. But listen, there's no new thing under the sun. But I always end the conversation like this. And this would be a good way for you to end your conversation that you might have with someone who is promoting some new idea, some new concepts, some new teaching, some new doctrine as it relates to Christianity. How does that new teaching that you're so excited about that you just heard for the first time, right? 
the person who is promoted in it thinks that he has a corner on that particular piece of truth, how does that affect you in a way to draw you closer to Jesus Christ and serve your brothers and sisters more completely? That's the bottom line. How does it, how does it lend itself to you falling more deeply in love with Jesus Christ? You know, and building virtue within your life. Is that teaching making you more holy, right? More willing to serve, right? You know, those are the things that we need to be concerned about. Usually it's spent on, you know, what I'm going to get out of it. Usually the teaching is appealing to the person because it's all about what I can get out of it, right? It's like the positive confession teaching. I'm going to, you know, claim it. I'm going to grab it. And uh, what's the phrase we used to use? Blab it and grab it, right? Kind of a thing. So anyway, it all must, the emphasis must be upon the person of Jesus Christ and upon our relationship with him. So all of these other things that I've just mentioned, all of the things that we've just went over, are not part of true Christianity. Now, with that said, let's go on, and let's zero in on these antichrists. That's the way that John recommends them to us. The antichrist that John is referring to here in his epistle, these were individuals within the church, so... Interestingly enough, be careful, because you're going to find these kinds of individuals within the church. And you know what? I I mentioned this before in one of our previous teachings, because we were already introduced to the Gnostics and what they were all about. But you know what? Particularly, you know, they, they would approach a new Christian whose heart really wants to know the Lord. You know, someone comes into the body, and he's not seasoned, he's a young Christian, and he really wants to develop his relationship with the Lord. So here comes this false teacher and he's suggesting that he has the corner on truth and that, you know, if you follow his teachings, you know, you will receive revelation that no other people have the capacity of receiving. And so that's the hook that draws them in. The, real, the truth of the matter is that those people who are promoting those teachings are really just seeking to draw disciples unto themselves. And that was the case here within, within the church. So here are well-meaning Christians who really love the Lord, right? But they're young Christians. They don't have a lot of discernment. Here comes this false teacher who suggests that they have a corner of truth, that they know things that no one else knows. The pastor doesn't know it. The elders don't know it. This is some new teaching that has been revealed to me and to me alone and just a small group of other Christians, right? Oh, boy, that'll get your attention because, you know, here's the new Christian he, you know, he's, he's trying to figure out this new relationship that he has with the Lord. He, he doesn't know right from wrong yet, really, right? He, he's not seasoned, and that's the hook that draws him in. Oh, boy, discernment. And again, that's one of the reasons why discernment is so very, very important. So these were individuals within the church, in the church, who claimed to believe in Jesus, and yet John refers to them as antichrist. So be really careful at the end or the conclusion of a service. You know, someone comes up to you and says, uh, oh, listen, I, I see that you're here for the first time or, you know, uh, never met you before. Or, oh, you just gave your life to Christ. Well, you know what? Let's go out and have a cup of coffee. And uh, now, you know, just, just be very careful, all right? And uh, you might want to get together with me or one of the other elders and See if it's okay for you to go out with that person and have a cup of coffee, if, whether or not we know them. We'll hook you up with some reliable 
seasoned Christians, fathers and mothers in the faith, if that's what you're looking for, if that's what you need, if you need to be discipled, we'd be more than happy to provide that uh, for you. But be really careful. Be real careful who you hang out. We've seen, Pastor Jose, how many, how many times have we seen this? And they've been drawn out of the fellowship. And believe me, this is not all about keeping people in our church. This is about what's right. This is about your relationship with God. And they're drawn away by these false teachings. And then later on, you know, we get news via all kinds of different ways of receiving news, how that those same people that have been drawn away by these false teachings aren't even serving the Lord any longer because those teachings had a devastating effect upon them because what they thought would work for them didn't work for them at all, you see. And now they've become discouraged in their relationship with God. Be very careful what you receive and what you take in. So these were individuals within the church who claim to believe in Jesus, and yet John refers to them as Antichrist. Okay, so what is the teachings of these Antichrists? Well, it's not necessarily a denial of Jesus. It is rather the misrepresentation of him. It either does something to the person of Jesus or it detracts from him. And this is why doctrine is so important. And people who say they're not interested in doctrine, that they're not interested in being scriptural, is absolutely foolishness. People who just want to base their entire Christian experience on feelings and emotions, right? That's, that's very foolish. It's very dangerous. So doctrine, gang, is the way that we test the spirits. Isn't that the title of this message? It's all about doctrine. You see, these people, these Gnostics, were preaching another Jesus. In 2 Corinthians, in chapter 11, in verse 4, for if he who comes preaches another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or if you receive a different spirit, which you have not received, or a different gospel, which you have not accepted, you may well put up with it, or rather, put it away. Okay? They were preaching another Jesus. Okay, so with that said, that brings us to our second point this evening. How then can we decide whether a teaching concerning Jesus Christ is true or false? And under that heading, the first thing that we need to do is we need to appeal to apostolic doctrine. We need to appeal to the apostolic doctrine. That is the teachings of the apostles. John is basically saying here, listen, hold on, and I'm paraphrasing, but really what he's saying here is, hold on to what I and the other apostles have told you. Go right back to the beginning of this book of the Bible, Chapter 1, if you would. Would you turn there with me for a second? In 1 John, in chapter 1, in verses 1 through 3, this is what this epistle was all about. He says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, our hands have handled, concerning the word of life. He's talking about Jesus here in context. The life was manifested, and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you 
that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. That which we have seen and heard, you know, they're thinking about their three and a half years that they had just spent with Jesus, all of the miracles that they were eyewitnesses of, all of the teachings that they were present for, you know, just everything over the period of three and a half years of Christ's public ministry. He tells us here, that we declare to you, that you also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. So do you see that? So basically, John is saying here, hold on to what I and the other apostles have told you. These antichrists seem to be promoting some lofty, extraordinary teachings. They had some sort of a spirit within them, but it wasn't the Holy Spirit, right? Oh, it was very lofty, what they were promoting. Uh, the ideas, that is, that they were promoting, some of the promises that they had made, right? But it wasn't of the Holy Spirit. But on the other hand, the apostles were the people to whom God, through the Holy Spirit, revealed truth. He meant for them to record it and to teach it. That is the apostles. Let me give you a cross-reference. In the book of Ephesians, in chapter 2 and verse 20, and in context, he's talking about the church, and the church being built upon Christ, the foundational stone. But then he goes on, having been built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. What is he referring to there? What foundation? The teachings of the apostles and the prophets. Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. That's what the church is built upon, folks. Right there. It's on teaching. It's on doctrine, you see. You see, the apostles... The prophets possessed a unique authority which came from God to teach the word. So listen to what Paul said writing to the church at Galatia in Galatians chapter 1 in verse 8. He says, if we are an angel from heaven. Oh, man. Could you imagine that? Could you imagine if if an angel all of a sudden appeared? And now remember, a third part of all of the angels that God had created fell and aligned themselves with Satan in his demise and his fall, right? And uh, so he has his angels. They're known as demons. And uh, there are times when angels appear to be angels of light, but are not, right? But could you imagine, think about that, the difficulty we would have. Let's say like in a service like this one or whatever, or you in your home and an angel appeared to you and said, you know, you found favor with God. So God has chosen you to receive this new teaching or whatever. How difficult that would be, right? You know, to make heads or tails of that. But Paul puts it exactly like that. He says, if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached to you, let him be accursed or cut off. So the apostles then didn't even hesitate to exhort the church to test every teaching by their teaching. And folks, that was not them being egotistical because they knew that they had been set apart for God for that particular occupation. That is to teach the church. Now, what is the apostolic teaching concerning Christ? Which is totally contrary to what these Gnostics were promoting. 
Notice in verse 2 that Jesus had come in the flesh. As I mentioned before, these antichrists, they were teaching that Jesus was a spirit, that he was some kind of a phantom, that he didn't have a body. And they took it as far as to suggest that because of the fact that Jesus didn't have a body, that God wasn't concerned about what we do with our body. It was just enough to confess Christ as our Lord and Savior, right? And that we could just go on and continue to sin in our body with our flesh. It didn't matter to God what we did with our body because Jesus never had a body himself. They went as far as to take their teaching to that extent, you see. That's what they were promoting. And certainly that would be very attractive. But that's not the truth. Can you imagine that? Just on the basis of, yeah, I'm a Christian. And then we could just go out of this place. We could learn about the Christ. We could study the teachings of Christ, the sayings of Christ, the parables of Christ, the teachings of all of the New Testament epistles, and then just go out of here and, and go do whatever we wanted to do with our bodies. You know, give, it, give them over to fornication, drunkenness, whatever. Whatever you felt like doing. That would be something that would be extremely attractive to people. That would appeal to our flesh. What was the apostolic teaching concerning Jesus Christ? That he was God incarnate. That he was, at the same time, man and God. That he had two natures. That he was the God-man. Let me give you a couple of cross-references for this. In John's Gospel in chapter 1, in verses 1 and then 14. In the beginning was the Word, and in context he's referring to Jesus here. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then jump ahead to verse 14. And the Word became flesh, Jesus, and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So what is this promoting here? The incarnation of Christ. God became Amen. Let me give you another cross-reference. In 2 Corinthians, in chapter 5, in verse 19, that is that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. But do you see that? God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself. That's what the apostles taught. That was the apostolic doctrine. And notice in our text, go back to our text here in 1 John chapter 4. Notice we are told he is come. Now, what does that imply? It implies that he was before because he had to come from somewhere, right? Think about that. That which was from the beginning, John 1.1, that which was from the beginning. He is the alpha, the beginning, also the omega, the ending as well. So this eternal life has been manifested. And so John is talking about the whole wonder and marvel of the incarnation of Christ. That's the theme here. He has come. These antichrists were denying his Godhead. In essence, they were denying his deity, his eternal sonship. They would relegate him to being on the same level a spirit or an angel. But here, John is emphasizing all of these things that I just mentioned, how that he was the second person of the Godhead. Jesus has come in the flesh. The word was made flesh and dwelt among us. So he was not some kind of a phantom. He was not some kind of a spirit. 
He was not some kind of an angel. Now, why is John so concerned about all of this? Well, these false teachers were detracting from Jesus. They were detracting from the glory of his person. Some said he was only a man. Others were suggesting that he was some kind of a religious genius. Others were promoting the idea that he was one who was given the spirit to, in an exceptional degree and was therefore able to teach. But that's all. They didn't take it any further than that. They didn't proclaim that he was God. They were detracting from the wonder of his works, his humiliation, his suffering on the cross. But listen, how important are those teachings? Because if God didn't die on the cross, it was all play acting. And the truth be told then, there is no atonement for our sin. We can't say, as is recorded for us in the book of Hebrews in chapter 2 and verse 9, that he tasted death for every man. We wouldn't be able to make those claims. So his incarnation is essential because his death is essential. He came to die, and he died that we might be forgiven. He died that we might be reconciled unto God. Listen, folks, here's the bottom line. All we need is Jesus. All we need is his all-sufficient work. Nothing else needs to be added to it. All we need to do is to confess him. He came into the world in order to save. He alone can save, and he has done everything essential to save. You know, Paul put it this way, writing to Timothy in 1 Timothy in chapter 2 and verse 5, Jesus is the one mediator mediator between God and man. Test the spirits, gang. Test the spirits. And let me tell you something. God has given each and every one of you the capacity to do that. But you got to, you know, this is something that you need to develop. This is a virtue that God wants to impart, but it just doesn't happen. You need to develop it on your own. And this is the reason why you need to be a student of the word of God. I, I can't overemphasize the importance of like digging into the word. Don't depend upon me alone to spoon feed you on Thursday evenings or on Sunday mornings. Develop a program, your own personal program, where you're regularly, daily, studying the Word of God. And it doesn't have to be a big chunk of the Word of God. You know what I'm talking about? Just, you know, take a portion of the Scripture each day. Choose a book of the Bible, and then just go through it. Take a couple of verses out of that chapter, and, and then just eat it, and digest it, and meditate upon it, and let become one with it. And you, and you can be sure that over a period of time, you will develop this wonderful virtue and gift of discernment, discernment of spirits. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long. We're so glad you joined us today on In My Father's House for our continuing verse-by-verse study through the book of 1 John. If you'd like to hear more messages from Pastor Mike, please visit our website at harvestnyc.org. You can view his past teachings when you click on the Vimeo link or listen online. Just click on the Resources tab to find out more. 
Sometimes life can get busy, and between work, family, and all your other obligations, it's hard to find the time to dig deeply into the Bible for yourself. We want to encourage you to make time with the Lord a priority in your life. And we have some great resources linked at harvestnyc.org to help you do just that. We also invite you to join our mailing list for daily devotionals. You can sign up at harvestnyc.org. If you're in Midtown Manhattan and looking for a church home, come visit us here at Harvest Christian Fellowship. We meet every week for worship, Bible study, and fellowship. It's easy to get here. You can reserve your seat and get directions at our website. If you can't make it in person, that's okay. Join us on the live stream to participate in our services virtually. Just follow the link at harvestnyc.org. And be sure to give us a call if you have any questions. 212-247-1877. That's 212-247-1877. That brings us to the end of our study today. Join Pastor Mike next time to continue learning and growing in faith right here on In My Father's House. Oh